You are listening to Houndstooth Heroes, the bi-week edition, hence the music. Uh, my name is Greg Dawkins. I'm joined, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Ellis Metz. If you're new to the program or just need a refresher course, you can find us on the website at houndstoothheroes.com or on Facebook or on Twitter at Heroes. First, a little housekeeping. As always, we would not be here if it were not for the good people over at Wild Bill's Wing Sauce. As we mentioned, a fresh off a Best in Show Award, the World Hot Sauce Award. So congrats to friend of the program, Bill Howard, for always keeping us in tasty sauces. We told you about the sweet and spicy sauce, and now, lo and behold, Bill has gone and added a Carolina ghost pepper sauce to the lineup. And while Carolina ghost pepper is the hottest pepper in the world, and I would definitely not recommend smoking it a bong, as one poor YouTuber has done. The sauce is a delightful treat, but not nearly as fiery as you would expect. But you can find Wild Bill Sauce at wildbillsauce.com. And everywhere Bamboise products are sold, your pigs, your Winn-Dixies, whatnot. Keep an eye out, heroes. Heard that. And uh, this week I owe an especial shout-out of gratitude to the good folks at Druid City Brewing in Tuscaloosa who, as you may or may not have heard, always keep us in the tastiest of suds. Woo, uh, this do. week, I made a surprise appearance with one listener, Fred, who I've got to say was a huge hit at Bow Day celebration there at the brewery. Everybody uh, loves Fred. And they, they sure do. Bo, Elliot, and the co. did not disappoint. We drank pails, we drank IPAs, we drank some shandies, some saisons. Each one somehow even better than the one before. All the while, just just picture this, beer's flowing, and there is a smoker rolling with some of the best meats you've seen this side of Burt Bielema. And, uh, and again, <laughs> some, some wings rolling on there that were marinated in Wild Bill's sauce. So some, some co-pollination there on Hero Sponsorship, thanks to my boy Gregory here. All in all, a deadly combination. It was just a great day. Saw some of what I would call the best friends of the program. Uh, some heroes out in the wild and in their natural habitat. Those may or may not include one Charlie Pond himself, who was taking advantage of the quote-unquote best deal in town, which uh, was parking at the brewery. You may have heard us talk about that right here on the program. And one additional shout-out to our boy Tony, a.k.a. at Go Bananas, Go spelled in the Cajun way. Uh, his dad, he and his dad, Donnie, were there. Great time. And, and Gregory, I learned something that I wanted to bring up to you because I hope and wonder if you remember all those times where I tried to tell you that Houndstooth Heroes was a family program. That's in your head. I, nobody cares. Well, well, be that as it may... <laughs> Listener Tony shared with me. What is a family? What is a family even? What does a family program mean? I don't care. I, don't, I know. I know. <laughs> Listener Tony shared with me. Nothing could uh, interest me less. Go ahead. <laughs> one of his very special quote unquote personal traditions uh, on which Friday mornings he has the pleasure of driving to school with his kiddo and the heroes, meaning your boys, you and I are the soundtrack for their rides. Uh, for better or worse, he actually lets his child, who we have now deemed Listener Lee, uh, tune in to our horrible takes on their way to school. Well, that's a horrible idea. Uh, 
in, 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 a, in a lot of ways. But uh, anyway, moving on to cold libations, which I guess is the uh, point of the whole show, really. What are you drinking, my friend? Well, this week, seeing as it's the bye week, it frees me up to just have uh, an assortment of whatever I please. And so right. uh, my druthers tonight were from the good people at Good People Brewing in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm drinking their pale ale. Solid. How about yourself? Well, you know, ordinarily I'm going to drink the Tears of the Fallen, but Texas beers are not, uh, as, we, as, as a problem that presents itself regularly here in Orange Beach, Texas beers are not readily available. So I find myself resorting to something from Alabama, as one does. I am currently enjoying a delicious hot busted IPA from the fantastic folks up at Blue Pants Brewery in Huntsville, Alabama. Also good people, I gotta say. They are good people, fantastic people. And after the Cubs result last night, I'm going to be drinking everything I can possibly have get my hands on. And you're not kidding about that. No, I'm not kidding at all. No. Uh, anyway... Next, uh, next up, let's go ahead and take a look at next that last weekend's win over the weirdos at A and M. You went to that show. How weird were they? Oh, bro, just the weirdest. Uh, as you may have seen on our Twitter account, you know, Texas not a progressive state, but they deserve props for letting these milkmen costumed uh, boys dance however they want, as girly mm-hmm. as they want. Just the weirdest thing. Uh, they they did their little whoops and chants all the way up to spirals around the stadium and i do mean all the way up because listener fred and i were up there watching the game with god but uh right you know i there's something i guess to be said for school spirit uh, i was told two years ago after the tide whooped that ace 59 to nothing uh-huh. that uh they still stayed through the whole game and and did their chants and dances the whole game so maybe worth something. Yeah. Okay. Well, Debate. fair enough. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's all overrated. All right. So, uh, as usual, we got big storylines coming out of this game, don't we? We do. We do have a few, and I think we must start with Jonathan Allen, who we have yeah. decided to name, aka the Big Nasty. Oh, we have. Yeah, I like that. Do you like that? The big nasty. The big nasty. It's nice. It's it sounds like a cheeseburger I would enjoy, but I'm fine with what's calling well, that. You know, maybe they start naming cheeseburgers Jonathan Allen's. We'll see. Right, exactly. We'll uh, see. All right, anyway, go ahead. Had himself a game on Saturday. Six tackles. Hurried the Texas A&M quarterback four times, and of course ret- returned a fumble thirty yards for a touchdown, continuing that ungodly streak the tied defense and special teams have. Ten straight games, by the way, going back to last season. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Uh, but That's most lot. importantly, we would be remiss if we did not get to and dedicate, really, a portion of this program to the flying sack. My God. Can we say that on a family-friendly program? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I want to Google it on porn. I mean, like, that, well, put well, in well. a search in Pornhub. All right. Flying sack. Okay, have I gone too far? Too far, too far. Uh, Speaking of, (laughs) no, really, the big nasty just manhandled the. He manhandled one guy, the running back, or I'm sorry, the lineman who was he was uh, lined up against. Then leapt over the running back and just gave the most forceful, unwelcome hug that Trevor Knight has experienced since that one time he accidentally walked into the Tamu Yell Leaders dressing room. Uh, It was just absurd. It was all absurd. Well, okay, what I want to know is, all right, Cole Kublik 
does a it had an office Twitter account was just enamored by this play, and I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. But so he showed like all the angles of it. The angle I want to see of that play is from Trevor Knight's perspective. Oh, when you see the big nasty come literally flying at you through the air, what do you even do at that point? Fetal position immediately. Right, right. that's what you do. That's, that's all you can do. So that is bad. All you can do. Mm-hmm. Speaking mm-hmm. of bad, there was a Mac Wilson also. Bruh. He had bruh. I mean he had that I mean he had the first hit on Speedy Noel in the first quarter, but that was it was great. But in the second quarter kick return was insane. I was watching it the rusty nail and people literally were shrieking when it happened. And not only that, like when they showed the replay, people continued to shriek. I mean it was like it was terrifying to watch. But more importantly did he lose a tooth on that play? If you watch the video, something small and white comes flying out of Speedy Noel's mouthful region. Uh, there are a lot of Twitter sources <laughs> claiming it was a tooth, but no verified accounts as of yet. Okay, so we don't know Speedy Noel has a tooth. Uh, but, I mean, you could always tune into an A&M game and just like, hey, wonder if he's got a tooth. It seems like tooth. that would be easy to find out, yeah. Right, a giant gap. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, what else we got? What are there some other? Some well, other while we're on eight? the while we're on the subject of that hit, targeting or no? I've looked at it a couple of times and from different angles, and I think they could have called it and we couldn't have complained. Yeah, uh, they could have not called it, and that's equally okay. I mean, it looked like it might have been shoulder, neck, or it might have been head. I mean, it was, you know, who can really tell? I mean, you know, it's so. Who knows? Yeah. Your thoughts? Well, it's hard to say. Saban, of course, came out this week to the Beham QB Club, which is always where the most reliable and uh, unbiased news comes out of. And he said it wasn't targeting. I think best I can tell, and I'm not uh, a mathematician nor uh, a scientist, but it seems like it comes down to the rule about a defenseless player. Uh, I yeah. think the argument being that when their guy got called for a targeting penalty against Damian Harris, Harris was already uh, sort of tangled up with with another defender and said this guy came at him while he was defenseless. Uh, I think a kickoff returner, by definition, is not defenseless. No. So I'm guessing that's where it lies, so maybe it was the right call. Yeah, okay. Uh, Quarterback play. Uh, We talk about that every week. Uh, Your thoughts? Maybe improved. I have to say, uh, Mr. Hertz's touchdown run was one of the most beautiful plays I've seen in Bryant Denny. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's so fascinating to watch him. He doesn't just sprint down like you see some fast quarterbacks do. Uh, he doesn't, you know, make any fancy Eddie Lacy spin moves, anything like that. But the guy just sees the field and and generals himself through there. Is that a verb? Made it one. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Just a, a great cut, but the passing game left something to be desired yet again. Well, it, it's the same over, you know, same story mm-hmm. as last week. Uh, he hit Stardarius, you know, as, as he tends to do. As he, he does. Stardarius. Yeah. Calvin Ridley had three catches on the day. And if you're Calvin Ridley, I mean, you can't tell me he's not open. Um, so he, you know, he missed Calvin over and over. Granted, Calvin really did, ha- did have one touchdown pass and that was impressive, but this is not even 
This is not this is certainly not Blake Sells accuracy. This isn't even Jake Coker accuracy. I mean, both of those guys were able to hit the hit the deep ball with some pretty with fairly fairly consistently. Uh, they can certainly hit the intermediate ball, and Jalen Hurts has just not shown himself able to do either one of those. Yeah, and I'm glad you said Blake Sims because we should uh, bring up that moment after the game yes. when Minka Fitzpatrick was being interviewed. Uh, and a pretty cool little wrinkle by Coach Saban in practice this week brought in Blake Sims, who I guess is yeah. a free agent. Yeah, if let's you will. That. Uh, brought him into practice to be the practice or the practice squads, Trevor Knight. And Minka Fitzpatrick made the mistake, I think of saying something to a reporter along the lines of, yeah, it was great to have him here. He just made so many downfield accurate passes that we just don't see most weeks in practice. Shit. Yeah. Exactly. Sad face. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, let's, go, let's go ahead and get to the horrible thing. Oh, more horrible than Jalen Hurts' arm. Uh, right. While he broke off that beautiful run play, if you listen closely to the replay, you can hear the crowd in BDS chanting, Eddie, Eddie. Uh, some devastating news. Eddie Jackson, who I just want it on the record that we never doubted. Not once. You know, we just, we, we've we always loved him, always stuck He's with him, never doubted him. Uh, biggest fan. Yeah, out for the season with a broken leg. Just awful in so many ways. I think, most importantly, Eddie was a guy who had obviously poured his heart and soul into this team. Uh, his career got off to a very inauspicious start when Nick Saban introduced him to the world, really, uh, by ripping him a new one during a practice filmed for 60 minutes. Uh, but in the three years since, he has become a true leader on the field and also on the sidelines. Uh, on the field, you know, it's important to point out he was not only one of the stars in the defensive backfield, but this year had become our uh, star punt returner as well. Right, right, right. And with him out, uh, I always, I mean, it, it, I guess what we're looking at is Hootie Jones and Tony Brown. Uh, both juniors, both defensive backs. Uh, after Eddie got hurt on Saturday, Jones replaced him at safety. Mm -hmm. uh, Tony Brown stepped in as the sixth defensive back whenever Alabama were in the dime defense. Uh, there's some talk about uh, the Falconer. Lincoln Fitzpatrick, ah. Ah, uh, moving from corner to safety. But, um, again, he's the Falconer, man. That's why you have him at corner. So I don't know. I, I, it, it's, it's, um, it's a difficult situation. It is a difficult situation. Um, yeah, like I said, known for his punt returns this year as well. He was averaging 23 yards per punt, uh, first nationally. And he is also one of just two players with two punt return touchdowns this season. So it looks like we may be seeing Trayvon Diggs back there again, who has got a lot to learn, but a lot of talent, of course. <laughs> and, um, and, and Calvin Ridley may be another option for us. But I want you to talk about one thing, because more than just sort of what he did physically, I think Eddie Jackson was a true yeah. leader and, and play caller on the field. Right. Well, not just a leader. He was. Uh, it was an actual position thing that he had. I mean, he was the defensive backfield signal caller. And I don't. I mean, why does that matter? And it matters because in the Ole Miss game, uh, Jeremy Pruitt was wasn't able to call some formations because Ruben Foster and Eddie Jackson were out of the game. So when you don't have him back there to make sure 
everybody is in position and aligned correctly, then everything can go to hell. Um, so, I, you know, it, the bye week could not have come at a better time because we're going to have to put somebody back there who knows what they're doing to make sure everybody's in the right place at the right time with the right call. Yeah, true story. Somebody's going to have to step up. Our boy, the Falconer, uh, already mm-hmm. tweeted, challenge accepted. Yeah, and that's the thing. As, yes, I believe the Falconer can do it, but I don't want the Falconer to leave the place where he is, you know? Yeah. And I don't have any, I don't, I, I don't mean, I don't, I shouldn't say I don't have any faith in Tony, no, I don't have any faith in Tony Brown, I'll say that. <laughs> no, that's fair. I have no that's faith fair. in Tony Brown, but could somebody else do it? Maybe. I mean, can Hootie Jones call plays in the backfield? Possibly. I hope Tony Brown, I, I wouldn't trust him to call dominoes. <laughs> no, I, I agree. That's a scary thought. I uh, wouldn't trust him to call bingo. Is that even easier? Right. I will say there was a uh, there was an interview that came out, I think, today with Ruben Foster, and I just saw a clip of it, and he was talking about Mac Wilson's hits and a few other things, but I was just struck by, I think, he sort of forcefully exerting himself into a leadership role, and we've seen... Yeah. All sides of Ruben, and there are obviously places for him to grow. Uh, but if, if he and Minka can sort of rise to the occasion and be those vocal leaders who can keep the defense organized, keep them uh, sort of motivated and with the right state of mind, I feel better than than I might otherwise. Right. I don't feel horrible. I don't feel horrible about what happened. I feel horrible about the timing because going to LSU week, it, you know, it's 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 a big deal. They, they we're going to, into two teams in LSU and Auburn that we'll get to later that have the capability of beating us. Uh, if this was, you know, if this was early in the season, we were playing some lesser teams. We're playing Kentucky. Fine. I don't really care. We have some time to learn and grow, but now is not the time to learn and grow. Uh, this is the crunch time where these two teams, and I saw something recently um, on the, the, the S&P projections about, a, you know, ability to go undefeated throughout the season. And we are down right now. I don't. I, this is probably not even injury related, but we are down to thirty nine percent in terms of whether we can go undefeated. The nerve. Right. And honestly, that's what I mean. Though, when you have these two teams who are fully capable of beating you, if you don't, if you're not playing your A game, now is not the damn time to lose your play caller in the defensive backfield. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was brutal on many levels. Yeah, anyway, let's move over to some park here, shall we? we? We can. We can try. Uh, All right. Have you seen these new things that they have on the uh, on the phones, on the smartphones called emojis? Is that Pokemon? It's like Pokemon, I think. It's just exactly. like Pokemon. <laughs> I, I wish you would put this most recent game against Texas A&M into one emoji for me. I could put this into one emoji for you. It's that laughing and crying guy. Mm. Right? I mean, I think when this team is... Right? It's a fine emoji. Uh, I think this team is clicking on all cylinders. Nobody can beat them. Uh, but there are hiccups, too. Uh, red zone offensive production on the first two drives drives was a disaster. Um, I don't know exactly where we went wrong there, but it was bad. Uh, Jalen Hurts' accuracy, like we talked about, the deep ball, another issue. Certainly, he adds a dimension with his legs, but it's a staple in Lane Kiffin's offense uh, to throw the deep ball, and it's just not working out. And if you can actually, from an opposing defense's point of view, if you don't have to guard the deep ball, well, you can stop Alabama's offense then. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, like I said, he and Ridley just don't seem to be in sync, uh, but he does seem to be fairly effective with Stardarius. Yeah, and you would think this offense is built and made for a flea flicker, so hopefully we're holding that one in our back pocket somewhere. Oh, absolutely, yes. Let's that would be there. glorious. Uh, anywho, I think my emoji, I'm just going with the straight line mouth, eyes open, because you have the straight line eyes too, but I'm not that right. desperate. You know, I was like totally, I gotta say, I was personally wrecked about the Eddie news. Um, didn't see it happen. I guess it just, I mean, he seemed I didn't to, either. I, I don't know if I was drunk at the time, which is pretty Well, I know that. Well, I, I clearly was drunk at the time. Let's take that off the table. I, I don't know if I was talking to people or was staring into space or ordering a cocktail, but I missed the whole thing. So no. it, uh, apparently, you know, nobody shrieked like, oh, my God, he just right. broke his leg. So I, so apparently it was not a big, uh, you know, giant event. No, because he is the badass that he is. He, right. he got up and walked off and sort of gimped, but, I mean, looked like it was easily <laughs> yeah, recoverable and then was carted was like, off the field, which is really – the worst thing you can see. And then there was a weird moment probably 10 minutes after he got carted off where two Alabama trainers and two Andrews doctors walked back out of the tunnel and onto the field. And they just sort of had an air about them. Like they knew something that no one else knew and it wasn't good. So yeah, I wanted to be really happy with the win and I am by and large happy with the way the team played. But uh, that one brought me down to earth pretty quickly. Right. Uh, I, mean, I mean, you got to like walking off the field. It's like, yeah, I bet you got a broken leg, whatever. Yeah. Don't, yeah ain't ain't like, bothering me. I got to walk. Gosh, we just never doubted him, you know? No, because uh, he's been a, it's been a horse. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, moving it. on. All right. What do we got? Because it is the bye week, we're going to go all in hard, like you do, into right. some heroes' history. History! Thank you. Uh, as you know, the Tide plays by this weekend. Feeling pretty I, I good. Prefer them as, I prefer them as open state. Thank you. Oh, oh, open state. Well, you know, they're, they're working on their branding, but I'm feeling pretty good about our chances. Uh, so we have entered what your boys here at Houndstooth Heroes have deemed hashtag LSU hate weeks. Right. I don't feel like they deserve to, really. Really? I mean, what? Once you thump somebody five times in a row, you don't get two weeks of hate. That's fair, but they just seem an e- such an easy target. They do because it's five in a row. I mean, I can hate them. I mean, I I, I, I don't really hate them anyway. It's just sort of a dull right, roar. Right, right, right. But, you know, I can, I can do a dull roar for two weeks. I've done a lot of dull things for two weeks. <laughs> that, is, that is true. Uh, there will be plenty of Let me time. just count those short relationships. Anyway, yeah, go I ahead. wasn't going to. Uh, there will be plenty of time for that type of hate next week. So today, your boys are going to take a minute to sort of step into the Wayback Machine and and trace oh. our coaching roots. Thank you. I feel like a Wayback Machine needed a noise. I, it did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. We're going to trace our head football coaching roots uh, to one Nicholas Saban uh, to properly appreciate everything he's done and and get into how we got here. One quick note before we get going. Did you see USA Today's uh, coaching salary rankings? I did. Uh, Saban came in second and one uh, Harbaugh came in first with $9 million, and that's a hell of a lot of khakis. Nine, and so many Dockers. Uh, a, right. a solid $2 million a year above Saban. 
I just can't imagine what you do uh, with $9 million in Ann Arbor. Well, okay, uh, here's the thing. I don't know if that's endorsement money or TV show money or where the hell his money is coming from, but it is Michigan, and I respect the hell out of Michigan because they do have money to spend. Uh, one quick note, that little fun fact that everybody didn't know. One in seven college graduates in the United States went to Michigan. No. Sit with that. That's that big of a school. They have that much money. So, yeah, one in seven people went to Michigan. So I get it. I mean, I, honestly, if you're going to pull out, you know, if, if, if you're going to unzip and pull out, Michigan has done that, and that's what they should do. Uh, they've got that money, that much money and that many people, so do it. Well, that's fair, and I always give them great credit for taking Rich Rod off our hands. Ain't that the damn oh, truth. Oh, come on later. Exactly. Uh, anyway, today we're going to take a not-so-fond look back at the disaster that unfolded after Coach Bryant retired. Sometimes it felt like I was in a Jackson Pollock painting. Everything was bizarre and not at all what I was accustomed to. There were weird colors, but that may have just been me. Who knows? But the first one was Ray Perkins, the sweater fashionista. And by God, that man could rock a sweater. Man. He was there, I know, 83 to 86. He was 32 and 15 and 1. He came on with, with a good bit of excitement. He was coming from the New York Giants. Uh, we got an NFL coach, with, which at the time was sort of unprecedented. Nobody had a coach come in from the NFL to coach at the college level. We were the, kind of the first people to do that. But it turns out he kind of sucked, and he was pretty much a dick. So he left for the Tampa Bay Bucks in 86. Um, so, and I think he made like $200,000 a year just to put a price on Ray Perkins. Man, but can you put a price on sweater fashion that strong? Oh, it was solid. I'm not going to lie. It was some solid sweater action on the sidelines at Bryant Eddy Stadium because when you're from Petal, Mississippi, that's what you bring. It's hot sweater looks. Gosh, look at you. Uh, yeah, I have pictures of me carving pumpkins in a Ray Perkins sweater from way back when. Uh, I, I did not know that. Here's an extra fun fact. He actually left the New York Football Giants uh, and was replaced by one 41-year-old Bill Parcells. Well, that's a kick in the dick, isn't it? <laughs> Some would call it that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> if you're sitting in Tuscaloosa kind of failing and you look at what's going on, just checking the scores, like, oh, the tuna is there and he's killing everybody. Yeah, true story. Eh, what do you do? Eh, moving yeah. on. I don't know much about Perkins. I can't contribute to that. Other than the sweaters. Well, I, I, I don't either because that was high school and I was, there was not the internet in high school. So I don't remember, you know, there's not enough to know about Perkins other than nobody really liked him. Uh, so I think he left. It was kind of a mutual agreement. It's like, yeah, dude, like I said, you're a dick and you don't like being here. So why don't you just go on and go back to the NFL where you belong? Yeah. And just a couple <laughs> years ago, he was at some community college, maybe in Mississippi. Uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's. I don't, I don't think now. it was. I don't think it was community. Was it? Was he at Perk or was he at Millsaps? He had been at Millsaps as well. All right, but but like 2013, uh, some small community college hired him. Oh, so so it's, it's kind of a negative career trajectory. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he's done this all backwards. <laughs> exactly. This is not at all how things are supposed to go. <laughs> all right, <laughs> moving on. This is gonna be good. Yes. Uh, we have one William quote, Bill Curry, 
who coached your tide from right. 87 to 89. Pretty solid record here. Uh, 26 and 10 over those three seasons. At one point, he won the National Coach of the Year. But we all know the issue here with Bill Curry. Couldn't beat Auburn. This was your boy's freshman, sophomore years at, at the university. And let me just, well, no, that was senior in high school through sophomore year, I guess, if he was there three years. Let me tell you, no, he could not have beat Auburn. And no, he could not beat Ole Miss in effing homecoming in 1988 Anno Domini. Uh, my dad was there, Ole Miss guy. I've never been mocked so hard by a family member in my entire life, all because of Bill Curry and his Georgia Tech being ass. Man, and there's a Memphis State game, too, that I want you to yeah. let us know about. Okay, also, he got a brick thrown through his window when we managed to lose to Memphis effing State. Now, this is not Memphis that we know now. When it's like recruiting fairly right well, and it's sort of a deal. This was Memphis State of the Metro Conference, and they would win two or three games in a year. And the one they won was against Bill Curry in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And yeah, he got a brick through his window. Good riddance, dude. You lost to Memphis State. Well put. And I remember it's funny because I remember growing up. Nothing's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's not funny. There's nothing funny about it. Uh, but I remember just how fondly my grandparents in Birmingham used to tell me that story about, yeah, we had a coach who got his brick thrown, got a brick thrown through his window when he lost a game he shouldn't have. So, did they do it? I think they did it. The, you know, the, the message and your, the precedent I think, I think your grandfather rolled himself down to Tuscaloosa and threw that brick himself. <laughs> listener Fred <laughs> Jr., actually, current Listener Fred would be the third. Listener Fred Jr. Uh, is not above that, I got to say. Exactly. He would have been in. Well, good for him because that's a, the sign of a strong man. But the one bright bright spot on this train wreck of humanity was James Stalling from 89 to 92. 70 wins, 16 losses, one tie on the field, and one national title before he retired. That is true. And, and we should say, yeah, 70 wins on the field. I think the NCAA tries to list him uh, like. 58 or something. Lies go to hell. May have been a run-in or two to cause that. I don't know. Right. Well, whatever. Go to hell. Yeah, no. Uh, do you have stories about Gene? I know you do. You know, just just sort of a, uh, a third-person story, because if you know anything about me, you know that I spent way too much time during my college career uh, at, at a number of places, but one of those mm-hmm. was <laughs> Don's Barbershop on 15th Street, uh, those guys were father figures to me. I would actually write uh, papers for class about the place. Um, <laughs> it, I, it was it, it was my heaven, and Sad, I will still say even one. to this day Sad, is the place. One, your table is ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it is the place for all your new boy haircut needs. That's where you just sit out in the chair and say, "Give me the new boy," and they'll just go straight across the front and the back. You can't yeah. beat it. Another one. Can't yeah, beat I, I, it. But, but they once, once told me a great story. You know, I, I grew up hearing all these great stories about the legendary Coach Stallings and, of course, John Mark, his boy, uh, who was a true Bama hero in his own right. But there was one day that I thought was pretty cool uh, that they told me about where it was middle of summer, class was out, like 100-something degrees in Tuscaloosa like you do in the summer. Tuscaloosa has the worst summers, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... 
at the worst. Uh, but anyway, cool story where a stranger had broken down on 15th Street, not far from Don's, and Coach Stalling, they looked out, and Coach Stalling was helping said stranger push his car uh, into the Don's parking lot in his suit and tie. Uh, in, I was going to say, the was day. he in the tweed blazer? Because that's the only way I've ever known it. I was going to say, I always pictured a tweed tweed blazer there. It has to be, right? Oh, sure. Well, well, I mean, obviously, he didn't take it off either because he's a damn man. He sat through Junction. You can push a car in a, in a tweed blazer. I'm fanning myself. You can't I see I know. It. Yeah, I know. Swoon. I understand. Uh, uh, I, will, I will say this about... Uh, I'm not. I have stories, but I cannot tell them on this broadcast that you've decided suddenly is family friendly. But I will say this: if Elliot Roberts, co-owner of Druid City Brewing, if you happen to know his brother Brian Roberts, buy Brian a few beers and get him to tell you Gene Stalling stories, because your hair will stand on end and you will be doubled over laughing. The stories never end, and they are hilarious. Another reason for you kids to step up and go to Druid City Brewing I Company. That I was just thinking that. Great mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, next up, Mike Dubose. <sighs> the damn clapper. The Ugh. clapping. The clapping. No matter what happened. Win, lose. I don't. I mean, I, I think his child could die. He'd clap. It does not matter. Um, I don't know. Ex- thinking. I don't know quite exactly what happened with the secretary. Um, apparently there was a sexual harassment situation going on. Apparently there was actually some sex going on to put stuff, uh, but it was, but we don't know expensive. what happened. No, we don't know what happened. The most expensive erection the university has ever paid for since Denny chimes. I think we paid out like 300 grand to that dame. Correct. That is correct. Uh, and a large portion of that, if not all, came straight out of uh, good old Gene's right. pocket. Not Gene, Mike's right. pocket. Yeah, well, good, good. Because he, well, anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah what a disaster. Uh, you got stories about Mike DeBose at all? No. No, Just I don't blame you. Gone. I know. He was 24 and 23, somehow won an SEC title. Uh, but after him, the glory that was Dennis Franchoni rolled into town. Oh, Dennis. Dennis was there for two seasons, 2001 and 2002. Uh, he was 17 and 8, and you may remember him as the man who told the team to hold the rope, which we should have known even then was probably... Yeah, that, you, you, don't, you don't, be a, don't give me a slogan. You're going to screw it up, you know? That's, no, that's really how people... That's how people are. Yeah, I'm not trying to hold any bro's rope here. I don't want any part of your rope, bro. But but he abruptly dropped said rope uh, and left town in the middle of the night, never told the team, so not a lot of respect for him. I was reflecting on the Franchoni era uh, at Druid City Brewing over the weekend because, of course, it was the A&M week, and listener Fred had reminded me of a story that I had luckily repressed out of my memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Franchoni, if you'll remember, broke what I... Th- it may not have been a long streak, but it, but at some point he beat Tennessee. I want to say he did right. break a pretty a pretty lengthy they streak. They were generally... That game is streaky, and we were on the ass end of like a nine-game losing. Yeah, game. I was just thinking, because if they had won the national championship in 98, and looking back at the DuBose-Clapper era, right. 
So yeah. it was probably pretty long at that point. Franchoni came in, and and Dad, listener Fred, took me to uh, Neyland to watch the Tide. Take that one from Fat Phil. It was a beautiful, one of my like, favorite. Like, like five at the time? No, I wasn't five, although I have. <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, anyway um, it, it was just a beautiful night for your Crimson Tide. And Dad reminded me, I don't remember this, that we rushed down to the uh, to the railing there. And as Fran and the rest of the team were coming off, chanted with many other Alabama fans very passionately, sign the contract. Wow. Yeah, because if you recall. Y'all were all about that rope. Say it again. Y'all were all about that rope. We were. We loved the rope. I mean, we just beat Tennessee. We needed that. I know. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, but if you'll recall, we offered him a contract maybe early to mid-season, I guess early in the season, uh, yeah. that he just suspiciously refused to sign. Right. I remember the details of this because at the time, when we, you know, circling back to the coaching salaries uh, with with $9 million, we're getting, we're paying $7 million. Uh, A&M, the reason he left, A&M paid him $5 mil, oh and we gosh. were not willing to match that. No. Right? Five? They, yeah, they they were ponying up five. I don't know what I don't know what we had on the table at all, but they threw five at him, and he was he was like, yeah, the hell out of here. So yeah, but speaking of another man on a negative career trajectory, after that A and M, because he was a disaster at A and M, and then I don't know where he went after that. I think like Texas State, and nowhere he's like, and then UTEP, and nowhere he's been since then has he won any measurable number of games no and he was uh the victim of one of my favorite college football games maybe my favorite game that doesn't involve the university of alabama when he was on the wrong end of a 77 to nothing thumping from oklahoma so worth That's it. 11 touchdowns worth it totally worth it totally. moving on to really let's just call it what it is my favorite alabama coach of all time mike price oh bruh all right. All right. When he was hired out of Washington State, I mean, the stories are legion out of, of this. When we went out there to pick him up in the plane, he was already ordering secretaries, like what he wanted him to look like on the plane. He was demanding blonde secretaries, no taller than this, no shorter than this. This is what I want their bodies to look like, like we were some sort of pimp agency. Uh, then, obviously, there's a whole story out of Pensacola, you know, God bless the Gulf Coast, where he uh, spent a little too much time at Arity's Angels, and um, I managed to order the left side of the menu, both food and stripper, and uh, somehow got caught in the holding the bag with all that. But all of that aside, I'm fine with immorality. God knows that's the truth. But he was also using the university a credit card to buy drinks for undergrad students at bars. And I'm sorry, that gets you caught and gets you fired every damn time. Yeah, and you know, often you and I would praise a man's audacity in this situation, but I think it was just a lack of common sense. I mean, we support Lane Kiffin. Yes, absolutely. Like I said, I am not here to judge anyone's morality, Lord knows. But at some point, you do have to, you know, hide it, for God's sakes, like regular people. (laughs) Like, like decent folk. Right. Uh, 
It's funny because we both have separate sources, hashtag, uh, who have corroborated the same story. Mine said that he got on the plane from Washington or wherever yeah. and immediately started pounding whiskeys and asking for lap dances right away. Uh, wow. So the guy, you know, the guy knew what he wanted. and, and Right? Hey, I, 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 hey, more power to you. But just don't use his university credit card. Yeah, don't use the company card. That's right. Which brings me to my favorite story possibly of all time Would about Mike Price. So there we were. Myself, yourself, uh, a friend of the program, Stephen Raines, uh, another friend of the program, his beautiful wife, Ashley Raines. Uh, we're at Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. And we were all just standing around at the seafood extravaganza that they have one night. And all of a sudden, I hear a shriek come out of a grown man's mouth. And that grown man was Stephen Raines. He said, oh, my God, it's Mike Price. (laughs) So with that in mind, we had to formulate a plan. And one of the smartest things that any human has ever done was what Stephen Raines did right that very moment when he pulled out a single from his wallet approached Mike Price and very casually asked him, Coach Price, you're one of my favorites. Can you? He was at UTEP at the time. Coach Price, you're one of my favorites. Could you please sign this dollar bill for me? <laughs> that dollar bill was on the fridge for a long time, and I hope it stays there. He, he went on to strike up a conversation with Coach Price uh, because I can't think of what the – UTEP like saying is they have like an anchor down and it's like minor down yeah. or something right. maybe not minor yeah. down uh, but but Reigns rattled that off and then made up a story about how he was a military brat who had grown up in El Paso <laughs> and, and they reminisced over their favorite like diners there I mean had a whole night of it that was just genius like yeah. you said yeah just I mean genius. look hey we have a lot of flaws in our lives but having friends who can make up a spin a yarn on the drop of a dime that is not one of them nope. our friends can do that gosh that was beautiful highlight yeah that really was ah uh, do we have to move on i suppose let's move on we're getting to the good stuff uh, but before we get there we have to talk about one mike shula Oh, son of a bitch. I know. Literally, son of a bitch. Right, that okay, actually. Anyway, good point. That, actual, yeah, literally. Uh, Kim, 20, all right, 26 and 23 on the field with a 13 and 19 record in the Southeastern Conference. And he now works with Cam Newton. Just set the whole world on fire. I know, I know. But uh, really, I, I give credit to Roll Bam Roll and our good friends there, and probably Eric was the one who wrote this. But in the offseason, they sort of did a reflection on the Mike Shula era. And that guy, you know, was, was dealt a loaded hand, started with his back against the wall, whatever cliche you can come up with, was in a tight spot. Uh, we were on, right. coming off probation, still on probation. Uh, frankly, recruits had just... <laughs> forgotten about Tuscaloosa. It wasn't on the map anymore. Uh, but he he took charge, took command of the program as best he could, uh, finished, yeah, like you said, 26 and 23 on the field uh, in the SEC, 13 and 19. The, the results are rough. He beat Tennessee one year, I think, but lost some heartbreakers there. Um but but I give yeah. the man so much credit for getting us to where we are today. Well, the problem with Mike Shula was he was a place filler, but didn't know he was a place filler. 
but we needed we needed somebody who could run a clean program. Yeah, and he could. I mean, I, like I said, he was a very nice person. Um, I think I would. There are people who want to boo Mike Shula, right? Et cetera, et cetera. I think that's wrong. Um, Mike Shula did the very best he could in a very horrible situation, but nevertheless, he was a place. He was a place setter. I mean, a place keeper. He was not going to set the world on fire, but I don't think he knew that. Uh, but again, I I would if you're an Alabama fan and you boo Mike Shula, there's something wrong with you because that man took you know he 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 took it he took the bullet when nobody else would. Yes. So this was not this was not a time to come to the University of Alabama and being a head coach, and he did it. So yes. more power to Mike Shula. Absolutely agreed. I was actually pretty heartbroken when I read. I remember reading in a Sports Illustrated because my internet was spotty back in the day. Uh, that we had fired him. I was very unhappy about it, uh, but... But it had to be done. Yes, and better things awaited. Right, they did. And we, but After Mike, there was a brief interlude with a Joe Kynes. Uh, uh, you may have a story or two about Kynes, you know? I don't have a great story other than he coached the Independence Bowl uh, in Shreveport, which was a great place for a Joe Kynes to coach. And right. at halftime, you may remember him saying, "We gotta stop that inside trap. It's just all about that inside trap," which right, is really right, right. a highlight of the season at that point. That's pretty typical Independence Bowl chat. Yes. All right, well, that moves us on to the final moment of the uh, situation when we finally pulled the trigger and brought in Coach Saban uh, from 2007 to the present. We've got four national titles, which with 100 wins and all of 18 losses. But the whole point of this whole conversation is now that he's here and we've had all the success, for how much longer do we have him? Right. And I think I I speak for any self-respecting Gump who would say if he, you know, announced tomorrow morning that he was done coaching football, we would have nothing but the utmost gratitude for him. Mm -hmm. He, He has earned whatever he decides to do. Uh, but but I think I'm just I just want to play out situations here and kind of see what you think. Obviously, Coach Bryant uh, was there for how many seasons? Many seasons. Uh, nineteen. Yeah, nineteen seasons. That's correct. Yes. Uh, agreed yeah. to accept the AD role, but as we all know, as soon as he stepped down from coaching, it was just a matter of months uh, until life yeah. did him in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, he said it'd be dead. In, he said when it, somebody asked him what we do after coaching, he said I'd be dead in a week, and it took him about a month. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, do you think Nick Saban is the same guy? I don't think so. I don't think the. I don't think he has that mindset. I think he wants to go to Georgia and relax on his lake. Uh, but I'm trying to rem- trying to figure out what the catalyst would be because Coach Bryant, his was. We started going eight and four every. Well, no, at the time, at the time we played eleven games. We started going seven and four all the time, yeah. and he saw the game passing him by. Well, the game is not passing by Saban. In fact, Saban is adapting to the game, witness Jalen Hurts. So, um, when you're adapting to the game, um, I don't think he has a problem. I guess the only situation I can see in the very near foreseeable future is when he becomes old enough, like Bobby Bowden, that recruits start looking at him as, that old man, how long, much longer is he going to be here? That Yeah, I hadn't actually thought of Bobby Bowden specifically, but I think that's 
dead on. Um, yeah, right now, I mean, he can jive with the jiviest and, and right. stay right there, whereas Coach Bryan had sort of resigned himself to Chesterfields and wishing he could call his mama. Right, exactly. Mean. And that, that's mean. what I would call I'm dimensionalizing a guy. Yeah. But, you know, but, but again, as long as he can have a conversation with these kids and still bring them in, I think, it, I think that would be the telltale sign. For him, it won't be wins because I think we'll win. I think it will be if recruiting drops to not drops to bad, but I think right. it drops to between five and ten nationally on a regular basis. Yeah, I was going to say right. if we hit about number ten, that may be the yeah. sign. Yeah, because right now we're at number two. Uh, Ohio State, I think, is one. And I, that's fine. If we're still recruiting on an elite level, but if he, I think he knows as well as anybody that it's you know it's it's about the fellows you put on the field, and if you don't have those fellows, then you're not going to be able to produce long term. So I think you'll see that writing. It's like, man, they're not they're not falling for me anymore. There's a there's a new sexier brand on the block, and if that happens, I think that's when it happens. And fortunately, <coughs> I think it'll happen while we're still on top, because recruit recruiting you know out you know. Recruiting situations don't play out for three or four years. So he will get out, and then, you know, when recruiting starts to sag, he'll get out, and then three or four years from now we'll see the results. And we have we better have somebody in place to up that recruiting. We won't talk about that. That's an A-plus take. I am just curious how much being a granddad has changed him. Maybe hmm. he's decided, you know, he's got grandchildren in Lake Burton, and, he, and he's spoken openly about – making more time for them. I don't want to get too uh, psychoanalysis right. here. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think your take is probably pretty solid. Do you have any guess on years left? I think he'll be gone before he's 70. What, is he 65 now? I thought he was 69. Oh, well, shit, I don't know. Uh, horrible, horrible take on my part. Uh, uh, if that's the like 69 now, he's 64. No, man, I'm an idiot. Oh, yeah, oh, we got a birthday coming up. This is the Nick Saban happy birthday edition. Oh, my goodness. What is his birthday? It's Halloween. We I'm knew sure that. It is. We knew that. Oh, this, this is absolutely, of course, it is. Um, then absolutely happy 65th birthday to Nick Saban. I think he'll be gone in, let's say, three or four years. Gosh, I really thought he was sixty nine. Now that I find out he's only sixty four, we may. I'm putting us at about eight left. That's a lot of years. Uh, I don't know how much it dr- would drive him. I don't. I suspect from what I know about him, which is not much. Some people would want to have more national championships than Coach Bryant had, which is six. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that drives him or not. To have the most at the university, uh, but nevertheless, I don't think it does actually. I don't think it does either. But uh, anyway, with that said, uh, as we mentioned, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at HTV Heroes, and we would be very interested in what you have to say on that topic. How much longer will Coach Saban be at the university? Mm-hmm. There we go. All right, pivoting for the week at hand, we have some picks including the Houndstooth Heroes, Hate of the Week. Of the Week, of the Week, of the Week. Here's a game that we don't care about. Kentucky is getting three, is, really? Kentucky is getting three and a half points at Missouri. Who do you hate, pal? You know, Kentucky's played fairly well, and and we've said that 
for a couple of weeks now, and it's rewarded us. But most importantly, I think here, is that Mizzou is coming off a loss to Middle Tennessee State. And this isn't even a good Middle Tennessee State. It's like we talked about Memphis State earlier. Right. Uh, uh, it, this is not a great Conference USA or American or whatever they're in team uh, hating Mizzou here. And actually, I'm pulling it up. It looks like that line may have even moved to Kentucky getting five points. Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, dude, uh, Mizzou is dog shit. I'm, ha- I'm hating on them. Kentucky and the road dog upset. Uh, cocktail party. Ooh. Yeah, the world's largest sat down cocktail party. They're trying to they're trying to call it now the River City Shootout. Which let's oh, just go up. No, I haven't heard that. Yeah, that's bullshit. Oh, anyway, that's the worst. Right? Uh, Florida is giving dog seven and a half points. Who do you hate, pal? I hate the dog uh, as much right. as I love Kirby and think he may be able to get his guys up for a rivalry game. I just think they have too many issues. Uh, in too many important spots to hang close here. Yeah, I agree with you. Florida runs away with this game. Coach Mack is quietly building a very nice little team down there. They don't score much, but he has the top defense in the country. I don't see how Dog scores very much. Florida's going to score more than enough to cover the 7.5. So, yeah, hate a dog. Do you ever uh, quickly think about those bros that we saw at the SEC championship game against Florida last year that were like 12 and jumped around with those third down signs? It was money down, I think. They did. It was the money down. I think about them so much. Oh, I hope they're having a good life now. Oh, I hope it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along. Uh, The much-hated and much-ballyhooed Tennessee Vials are 13-point faves against the cock in Columbia, South Carolina. Who you hate? All right, I, I keep trying to give Boone the benefit of the doubt, but it just never works out. Uh, they played UMass, and I thought, okay, UMass, surely to God they can beat the hell out of UMass. No, it was a squeaker. Uh, Vol is a lot better than UMass. Boone just doesn't have the bodies to stack up against Vol. So I'm hating a cock pretty hard here. So hard, in fact, that I will call it my hate of the week. Of the week, of the week. Snap. (laughs) This is weird. We're having a lot of agreements. Uh, I, too, am going to hate the cock. I think Coach Boom has still left his quarterback position undecided. He's trying to, guys. Uh, And, again, the UMass game told me all I needed to know. Not a chance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You want to hit the barn? Yeah, your Auburn Tiger Eagle Chickens are, in fact, four-point favorites on the road against Ole Miss. Uh, The game opened, as a matter of fact, with Ole Miss as a one-point favorite, uh, but money has quickly moved that line five points, probably moving it even more now uh, after the barn demolished Arky last week. So, well, before we get there, though, let's stop there. Barn for real or what? I done told y'all they are. Yeah, Won't nobody listen to me. Yes, the, a barn can beat us if we sit around and with our pocket, hands in our pockets, playing with our you-know-whats, acting like barn can't beat us. Yes, they absolutely are capable of it. Do they have the people to do it? No. But can they? Absolutely. The barn is not bad. It's like when, I, when they... Everybody laughed and guffawed at the nine-point line last week 
at Ar- with Arkansas. Well, you saw how that worked out. The barn do is doing what barn does, and they're getting it figured out at the end of the season. Because mm-hmm. if we we've said this year in and year out, if we played Auburn the second game of the season, we'd never lose. They do what they do at the end of the year, and so it's time to put on your big boy pants because Auburn is for real. Yeah, you're you're deadly <laughs> accurate. Couldn't be more accurate. Um, we are still the better team. I'm confident. Yes. And I'm not yeah. worried. I mean, I think they, they're they still a pretty one-dimensional team. Sean White is not a great quarterback, but he's figured out their system for now. Uh, so neither until teams Garcia stop that, they're going to be trouble. My point is neither, neither was Stephen Garcia in 2010. Uh, but sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle, and that's what they're doing right now. Uh, so I don't think they're going to beat us in Tuscaloosa because it is in Tuscaloosa. If we had to go to Auburn right now, I'd be really, really scared. Same Z's, big time. Uh, moving on though, so again, Barn, yeah. four point faves, Oxford. Who you hate? Hate hating the hell out of the Rebels, man. I think the the, the world's the, America's best three and four team is about to be the world's best three and five team. Uh, Auburn's defense is worlds better than the Rebels, and 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 the Rebels are just a one dimensional team. Auburn ran the ball for five hundred yards against Arkansas, and Ole Miss is not any better on defense than Arkansas. Yeah, I'm, I'm hating. I'm hating. I'm hating them hard, man. You're exactly right. I'm making it my hate of the week. Woo! Nice. Uh, as much as I hate to do it, the Rebel running game is just so bad that teams can pretty much stop Chad Kelly in any number of ways that they want, and not have to worry about uh, Ole Miss making them pay for it. And again, like you said, at least Auburn has a defense. Ole Miss can't claim that at this point. Hating the Rebs hard. Right. All right. Uh, we agree on that. And that will do it for another edition of Hounds Tooth Heroes, brought to you, as always, by Wild Bill's Wingsoft and Druid City Brewing Company. Remember, you can check the website by the same name at houndstoothheroes.com, or you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at H Tooth Heroes. Go Cubs. Take us home, my friend. Heard that. And one last shout-out to Listener Lee. Listener Lee, we appreciate you. We appreciate all your hard work and keeping your dad in line. Stay in school. Don't ever say your car is broke. And above all (laughs) else, remember the words of Coach Nick Saban. If it means something to you, you can't stay still. Woo! Y'all be good. Roll Tide.